0: On this episode of Mammoth Weekly, we welcome in Professor Randy Abate, Director of the University Institute for Global Understanding, to talk about his road to Mammoth, the IGU symposium that kicks off later today, and more. With University President Patrick Leahy, this is faculty member Matt Harmon. Time for Episode 26 of Mammoth Weekly. Thanks, as always, for listening. We are looking forward to this conversation. It's a busy week on campus. As always, we've got a great guest coming on. That is Professor Randy Abate uh, to talk about all things involving the Institute for Global Understanding, including the symposium that kicks off today. We're going to get to Randy in just a couple of minutes. uh, But President Leahy, I say a very good morning to you. And I know we want to jump into uh, some of the, the latest news and updates in terms of the pandemic and what's taking place on campus.
1: Yeah, good morning, Matt. Nice to be with you as always. I, I do look forward to our, the heart of our conversation with uh, Professor Abate. But let me uh, just give you a couple quick updates on campus. As you suggested rightly, uh, the place is buzzing, at least buzzing by sort of pandemic standards. It's still uh, a lot less active than uh, normal, but uh, the activity is picking up. I'm really pleased that uh, as I checked the dashboard just this morning that uh, we only have 17 active COVID cases uh, on campus. Uh, let me repeat what I always say, which is every single case causes us some concern because you just don't know how an individual case uh, can affect a person. but. Um, The fact that we have 17, we can manage that caseload with isolation and quarantine requirements. I feel very positive about uh, the way in which we're controlling uh, the caseload here on campus, despite the fact uh, that activity is is going up. In fact, uh, just in a week or so, we're going to bring back to campus the uh, very popular outdoor tents that will give a our students and our faculty and staff mentors uh, additional opportunities to visit in a really safe environment uh, with each other. But uh, you know, you know, well, Matt, that uh, the athletic activities kicking, kicking up here this spring, all of our spring sports are competing. Most of our fall sports uh, have been moved here to this spring if all goes as planned, knock on wood, as a colleague of mine says, knock on a lumber yard somewhere. Uh, we'll have our first football game on Saturday in that short season. Uh, but baseball and softball are off to a great starts. Uh, men's and women's lacrosse, no surprise are off to great starts. I was particularly pleased, uh, in the last few days, once again, uh, particularly pleased with our field hockey program. You know, they, they compete in the America East and the America East has this unique arrangement where a few West Coast schools uh, play in the America East. And that includes two of the great athletic programs in the country, Stanford and Cal Berkeley. So once a year they come East to compete and they were here on campus uh, over the last few days. and. We lost a heartbreaker to Stanford three to two. Uh, and I always say there is no shame in, in losing a close game to Stanford. I mean, one of the great athletic programs in the country. And then just a few days later, uh, we took on Cal Berkeley and beat them three to nothing. Let me just tell you, any time our university can go up against a Pac-12 opponent and compete, and in the case of Berkeley, win is just a great way to burnish the reputation of the of the university so so proud of all of our athletic teams the coaching staff and the support staff that are doing everything they can to make those competitive opportunities available for the students so uh so starting to get back to a little bit more of uh typical activity on campus
0: Certainly good to see. I've noticed that as well. And, and, and regardless, the, the warm weather usually brings people out of their shelter uh, a little bit as well. <clears throat> President Leahy, um, among the topics that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that you were still hoping for some clarity, and I would say the same thing kind of continues here today, is, is what's going to take place uh, with commencement come May.
1: We just don't have the clarity yet, Matt. You know, we are waiting anxiously for guidelines from the Office of the Secretary of Higher Education. They know well of our interest in getting that clarity. Uh, we've articulated it to them numerous times in the last few weeks, and I appreciate the the challenge in which they find themselves. But uh, we are committed to hosting in-person ceremonies. I mean, we did it last year when... I'm proud to say we did it when a lot of other institutions just did not. They, uh, they just elected to go in a, in a, in a different uh, manner. And we just felt strongly that our students and their parents, uh, deserved to have an in-person ceremony. And we're committed to that again this year. We just don't have yet the parameters that we need to design a commencement week. Uh, so I wish I had more clarity, uh, for the campus community. Uh, I don't yet, but we're working on it.
0: And then I just wanted to finish in terms of our our kind of bi-weekly updates that we do here uh, on the podcast. You had sent a, um, I I would say, faculty-wide email on Monday uh, directed to those that would be involved with uh, summer classes how those would be delivered and then looking ahead to the fall with, with the hope, obviously, uh, President Leahy, that when we get to the fall, things will be back to a little more normal, probably not 100 percent, but a little more normal than they are here in the spring. Talking about things like how classes will be uh, delivered in terms of online, hybrid, in-person. Um, I, I'm sure come the fall, there'll be a mix of all three, but the goal would be to have some more in-person.
1: Yeah, I mean, that message was aspirational. I mean, obviously we cannot set our fall plans until we get, again, more clarity from the state around what is allowable on college campuses. But it's certainly our hope that with the vaccine being rolled out and uh, hopefully the the way in which the nation is managing this this pandemic, that uh, we will find ourselves in a lot more normal situation in the fall. I am stressing more normal and not entirely normal. It might take us some time to be back to pre pre pandemic uh, uh, normalcy, but I do feel that we are headed in that direction. Uh, our summer activity will much of that activity will remain online, but remember, we were headed in that direction anyway as a as the best way to serve students in the summer, uh, so our hope is that we can continue to progress. As a campus and as a community, as a country, so that uh, we might find ourselves in the fall uh, restoring the energy and, and the vitality that is so typical of our campus. We have to be careful, though, and, and remain very vigilant because you're probably hearing uh, that you know Monmouth County is sort of plateaued and is their case loads going in the in the wrong direction and. We need to make sure that this campus community does everything it can to uh, continue to combat this uh, terrible uh, pandemic. I will repeat what I always do, mask up at all times, back up, keep that six feet of distancing, uh, wash up, keep your hands uh, washed. Uh, and those three things alone uh, can do a lot to uh, help to protect uh, not only yourself, but each other, which is so typical of the. The Monmouth Way.
0: Let's welcome in our guest for today. He is Professor Randy Abate. He is the director uh, of the uh, Institute for Global Understanding. Among man, as as I went through your your bio, uh, Professor Abate, and kind of read through it. I am overly impressed with the titles that you have. You are professor, Department of Political Science and Sociology, Political Science and Sociology, Director of Institute for Global Understanding, and the Recknitz Family uh, Endowed Chair in Marine and Environmental Law and Policy. I mean, I, I thought I was usually pretty good in terms of all the things I'm involved with. I, I, think, I think you might have me beat. I welcome you on to the podcast here uh, this morning. I know we've got a, a lot to talk about, but just a, a, a quick check in um in terms of of, of how your classes how your year and dealing with the pandemic has been um for you personally
2: well thanks so much for having me on matt and president lay it's great to be here uh it's it's been a a surreal year uh, for me as it has been for for most um but i i was so committed to the to the on-campus experience at monmouth i i have taught uh, both on campus and hybrid classes, and and I've been very pleased with with the way they've they've gone. The the engagement of the students, they're they, they seem more more excited than ever to have that quality academic experience that Monmouth offers. And and there were some um, some positives I didn't expect. So that some students are are more engaged by Zoom than they are in the classroom. And so it's it's been nice to have that balance that you don't have in the traditional classroom where the silent students remain silent. So it's it's been uh, trying to find the silver linings, and it's been a very positive experience this year.
0: You know, clearly, it's a big day uh, for you as the director for the Institute for Global Understanding. As the IGU symposium kicks off later on today, we're recording excuse me, on a Thursday morning. At four o'clock today, the symposium over the course of the next three days will get up and going. I know a a tremendous amount of work uh, goes into events like this. This has been what, probably a a year of a full year planning to get this up and going?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the the, the real on the ground um, planning started in September, but I I uh, was excited to begin uh, my role as director of the IGU uh, a year ago uh, this month. So that's essentially when things started. Um, so it's, it's been a true labor of love and, and just a, a fabulous team uh, working with me on, on planning the event uh, itself and all of the IGU's activities this year. It's, it's been really Really fantastic, we're very excited about the event. Um, We're we're, we're featuring uh, distinguished expert speakers from 10 countries and uh, really looking to engage the the, the Monmouth uh, community as as well as the global community.
0: Human rights and the environment, the uh, topic for the next couple of days. You can register up until the event starts today uh, at four o'clock. Among the keynote speakers at 4 p.m. is our other co-host. That's, of course, University President Patrick Leahy. Uh, President Leahy, how important is is the Institute here to campus overall and kind of the the reemergence of some of these things that have taken place over the last year?
1: Well, a keynote, keynote address is a bit of a stretch. I, I hope it's a little bit more of a welcome, uh, Matt. There, you know, we have opening uh, remarks, not, not just from me, and mine will be brief, uh, Professor Abate, I promise. But uh, we also hear from our uh, interim senior vice president and provost, Dr. Dada, whose life's work has been committed to... Uh, Issues of global understanding. So we'll we'll get a chance, I believe, to hear from her. And then and then the real highlight of the opening session, I think, is comments from our, our Congressman Frank Pallone, who's uh, agreed to offer some opening remarks. And nobody uh, has been more supportive of this university down in Washington D.C. than than he has. And uh, w- what a what a great thing to uh, to have him involved in our opening uh, session this is such an important topic uh, today. I mean, if there's ever been a time where we need to do our part to enhance global understanding, it is right now. And uh, I'm so proud that, uh, that the Institute, which I, you would know better maybe than I, Randy, you know, it was established and had some real energy. And then for some variety of reasons, it's sort of, that energy died down for a little bit, and it's been restored uh, over the last uh, year. And of course, took took on real added enthusiasm with your appointment as the director. So um, it's, you know, we here at Monmouth tout that among our seven academic schools, we also have, you know, four or five, six institutes and centers that contribute. So. Uh, importantly to our uh, academic effort. And uh, you know you know those well, the Urban Coast Institute, the Polling Institute, the Center for the Arts, the Springsteen Archives, the Kislak Real Estate Institute. And now we can add to that uh, robust mix, the Institute for Global Understanding. And it's a, such an important topic today. And I'm so glad that Monmouth will play, admittedly its small role, but nonetheless, its role in uh, advancing uh, cultural literacy and global understanding.
0: Randy, if I, if I could, I want to go right to the the topic of uh, the symposium over the course of the next couple of days. You say human rights and the environment. I, I think anyone would be able to say these are human rights. And then you'd have other people say, these are issues that involve the environment. Tell me how over the course of the next three days, they come together. So it's human rights and the environment, not two separate things.
2: Certainly, it's it's an, an issue that is more relevant than ever uh, these days, as President Leahy noted, that the issue of global understanding is, is critical. And, and nested within that is this notion of need to understand the intersectionality of environmental problems so we used to live in this siloed world where human rights issues were human rights issues and environmental issues were for the scientists and tree huggers now we understand that these are truly intersectional issues and our approach to challenges like climate change embrace that intersectionality of these challenges so for instance the black lives matter Uh, Black Black Lives Matter movement uh, matters a lot when we think about environmental challenges. The whole field of environmental justice is something the the symposium is going to address. And that's one of many examples of the intersection of human rights and environmental problems, the notion that uh, marginalized communities uh, like like Black communities, Indigenous communities are bearing a disproportionate burden of our environmental problems. And that's a that's a, a platform for this notion of human rights and the environment.
0: You know, President Leahy, we, we've talked over the course of the last year, year plus now, as we're a year into the pandemic, we've brought up some of the societal issues some of the social justice issues that have taken place over the course of the last year you know and unfortunately within the span of the last couple of weeks we've we've had more the the situation in Atlanta another shooting taking place in Colorado um, you know dare I say that <clears throat> issues like that usually bring human rights issues uh, to light and clearly we would rather not have those issues but the, the timing of the symposium over the course of the last year and now starting today almost seems like it couldn't be any better in, in some strange way.
1: Well, what I love is the fact that uh, this community here at Monmouth University is has an enduring commitment to, uh, you know, racial and social issues. I mean, as Randy pointed out, I mean, they've been, we've been planning this symposium for months and months and months now. It just so happens, as you suggest, Matt, that, you know, we had yet another incident in our country uh, last week where uh, people of Asian uh, uh, backgrounds were targeted. And, and that is part of uh, the the impetus behind creating greater global understanding. And uh, so it, it, I guess in a funny kind of way, uh, yeah, the, the timing is, is unique here, but... Uh, I'm so proud of this university that uh, it is uh, committed to these issues in a very real way. And uh, again, the the biennial symposium is evidence of that because of all of the planning that goes into it. But as Randy pointed out, too, that's that's maybe the I, I suspect, Randy, the marquee event of the IGU. But that's only one of a whole series of events that uh, are sponsored by the igu over the course of a given a given year so um, really proud of the way again monmouth is doing its part uh to uh advance uh greater understanding in our on our campus and in our community and then as randy said with, with speakers from 10 countries around the world we want to play our our uh, our part in that global discussion as well
0: you know, P- Professor Abate, if, if if you can right now, as President Leahy just talked about, um, the way that the Institute has changed since coming back uh, under your leadership and, you know, th- the symposium, obviously kind of the big event, but all of the other things that take place during the course of the year. And I'm sure probably even looking forward to 2021-22, that academic year, um, things that, that are kind of on your mind in terms of different different events and ways that Mammoth kind of stays in touch
2: yeah well one, one thing that's really important about where we are with the igu is that we're building on a rich legacy of engagement and success so uh the uh dr dada founded the the igu uh way back in 2002 and it had many um Opportunities and 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 just a great evidence of success in so many ways, and we have we have built on that tradition, and and essentially our mantra is honoring that past and looking forward to our future. So so those pillars that that uh, reflected the IGU's mission in its original inception are embraced on our website, and we continue to move forward with those objectives. So that is uh, including UN relationships. Um, Promoting faculty and student placements in Fulbright uh, scholarships, um, community engagement on these issues of global uh, affairs and cross cultural understanding, um, intra campus synergies. So, so the IGU is uniquely positioned in a way that is very much uh, interstitial across departments and schools on campus to, to bring people together around these issues. They are they are intersectional in so many ways, and, and ways, and we are we are a, a, a clearinghouse for a lot of that uh, connection and engagement across campus. Um, and, and certainly, we, uh, we we have some new objectives that that were part of my charge as the as the new director, and that is to to more fully integrate the IGU into the academic life on campus. So we have we have instituted new programs and new speaker series that have, have brought awareness of these issues uh, into a more formal academic fabric on, on campus and we're, and the symposium is one of, of several of those initiatives.
0: Professor Randy Abate joining us here, episode number 26 of Mammoth Weekly, your normal co-host, University President Patrick Leahy, faculty member Matt Harmon. The IGU symposium kicking off at 4 o'clock today. Registration information can be found on the Mammoth website. Um, you know, Professor Abate, I, I want to talk to you about something that I, I think is really important. And it's been a theme that President Leahy and I have talked about on so many of our shows. And that is how something like the IGU or any of these institutes, but specifically since that's your, that's your forte, how they involve students, how they get students to think a little bit more critically and crucially towards these events. You mentioned um, earlier in one of your answers, you know, trying to pull things out of of the quiet, silent students, which I do in my classes as well. Um, sometimes this mode of delivery, the hybrid, the online, maybe it does that. But but this is an opportunity for this generation that we've got on campus to really institute some change in the world moving forward.
2: And as as both of you know very well, the uh, the, the students are really the engine of the, of the life on 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 Mamas campus. Um, virtual or physical. And the IGU is very much a vehicle to enhance that engagement. So, so we first uh, engage many students directly in our efforts. We have outstanding graduate assistants and interns who have been actively engaged in our activities throughout the entire year, including the symposium. They've been indispensable resources. And as I mentioned previously, the, the IGU's intracampus synergies uh, effort has a group of three faculty members on our advisory council who who work with students and student organizations to have a dialogue about how the IGU can best serve their interests in these issues. So many of the student orgs are very much focused on that cross-cultural understanding, global affairs, um, awareness raising, and others are interested to learn more about it and see how it how it connects to their to their mission. So for for instance, a group like the the youth activists is is very well positioned to be actively engaged in the IGU and, and we're helping them understand how that's relevant for their for their mission.
0: President Leahy, when you hear that answer, and, and I feel like it's so easy to kind of cue this one up for you. Um, the, the, as as Randy just said, the students are the engine on campus. And when you have an opportunity for them to be involved in something like this. You know, clearly you could go to so many different symposiums and events, um, and, and there's not a whole lot of student activity for Monmouth to be able to highlight students and have this opportunity and chance. It, it is it, you, you can't understate the value in it.
1: It's you know it's what makes us unique as a as an institution. I mean we we have at once people like uh, Professor Abate engaged in the life of this university advancing uh, social justice issues and the law all, all around the world as, as he has done. I mean, that kind of expertise on our campus, the way you wouldn't be surprised if you saw that kind of expertise at a big research university, right? But here at this university, Randy just talked about how he personally engages with students and how he gets undergraduates involved in the, the work that he does and so many other of our professors do their scholarship and their research and their active work with our undergraduate students. I mean, and that's the kind of experience that you think of as part and parcel of a liberal arts college, right? We put those two together here in a way that I think really does make Monmouth uh, unique. I mean, I, I, I say, often, as I will again at our, our next Accepted Students' Day on Saturday, that uh, we bring all of the opportunities, uh, possibilities, activities of a large research university, but we offer it in the caring mentoring culture of a small liberal arts college. It's the combination of those two things that's really uh, unique. And it sounds to me like the IGU is just the latest example of the way in which we're trying to create that that really high-value educational experience for our students.
2: Matt, if I can just chime in on, and piggyback on that excellent comment that President Leahy made, the, the symposium itself is a platform for, for this this kind of engagement because we're, we're featuring not only global experts on these issues, but we're also showcasing our students. Both undergraduate and graduate students, we have an open mic event where our students are going to be performing music and dance and and poetry readings that relate to this theme to really fully engage in an interdisciplinary way with the event and we're also featuring a student panel uh, both graduate and undergraduate students who have uh, uh, conducted research on these human rights and environment issues Uh, so it's it's really exciting to be able to to show off our our outstanding students in this way in, in this in this global event
0: Randy, if you don't mind me asking, um, be- because you mentioned you're about a year into the position here at Monmouth, w- what was it that led you here to West Long Branch? I- again, looking at your bio, which is so impressive, you know, spending time uh, teaching it at different, more law school-orientated schools in Florida, Florida State, Florida A&M, uh, here at Rutgers in Camden, um, Vermont in Pennsylvania at Widener. What was it that kind of led you here to Mammoth, Because it almost seems like in a way it's, it's a, it's a bit of a different challenge for you than you've had in your years in academia.
2: I've heard that question a lot. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> as someone who's an interdisciplinary scholar and teacher, it, it was very lonely in, in the law school silo. Um, so I, I had 24 years of full-time teaching and, and writing in that, in that law school environment, one building typically, um, exclusive engagement with law professors and law students. And and I was the kind of person when entering the legal profession who was on the fence between a JD and a PhD. And I didn't want to spend half my life getting both. So I, I went the JD route, but always had that regret, maybe too heavy a term, but curiosity about the other side. And so so this opportunity when it came um, to my attention was just irresistible, that that I had this legacy of teaching law to law students and always wanted to teach law and policy issues to a non-legal audience in a more meaningful and expansive way um, without turning my back on my training and my focus on law and policy. It just seemed like the perfect opportunity. And it's, in my three years here, it's it's certainly uh, proved to be true, that, that the, the interdisciplinary opportunities to, to work across schools and departments with my colleagues on issues like climate change, which are so fundamentally intersectional, and to convey that excitement and, and understanding to, to students uh, uh, charting their career paths is, is really exciting. I find it more engaging to, to work with students about considering law school uh, than I do helping students through it some of
0: the some of the um, issues that i'm sure will be talked about during the course of the symposium in your classes classes that are taught in this uh area and discipline not not just all over the country um but again i i'm looking at some of the places that you have either taught classes done lectures i mean places all over the world there's there's countries listed that i don't even i didn't even know quite honestly existed before (laughs) i i looked last night to to get prepared for this um is the human right, climate change, environmental, the the stuff that is really in your wheelhouse, Randy, is it as important all across the world as it is here in the United States?
2: I probably would have had a different answer 10 years ago, but I'm seeing that that is becoming more and more true today. Um, that other than climate change, we're, we're seeing a lot of challenges, um, whether it be access to to drinking water or food insecurity issues. Much of it is at least exacerbated by climate change, but a lot of the, the social and political dynamics around the world are very much uh, leading to this collective awareness of, of the intersections between human rights and environment. And it's and it's a bit of a revolution uh, w- without overstating it. Um, whether we're looking in the global north or the global south, this this dialogue that really was inspired 30 years ago when the, the climate change negotiations started, um, has has splintered into many different subfields of of uh, intersections between human rights and environment issues that, such that it's it's almost impossible and inappropriate to talk about them separately anymore.
0: President Leahy, you mentioned all of the different institutes and kind of the, the next level um, that that Mammoth is at is the IGU is that another example of trying to position Mammoth to be a force a factor in, in some of these fields moving forward?
1: Yes, I mean we, you know, we want to pick our spots carefully. You know, we want to make sure that centers and institutes that we start and support and in this case, you know, continue to to support at higher levels. Are areas that at once can enhance the experience here on campus and give us a chance to shine a spotlight on the work that we do here at Monmouth. And I, I think the IGU is just, like I said, the, the 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 latest addition to that portfolio that we have, which is I'd like to think the envy of a lot of other colleges and universities that we have a portfolio uh, of centers and institutes like that that we can support you know, in our own unique Monmouth way. I mean, we are not a, an R1 research university, so we don't have those kind of resources to support our centers and institutes. Uh, but we're trying, you know, given our, our you know, sort of medium size uh, on the verge of becoming a doctoral university status, we're trying to do what we can to support those, those important topics. I'll just say one last thing about uh, 30 years ago. Reminded me, Randy, when you said that, you know, 30 years ago when these conversations uh, seem, seemingly really started in earnest. And I always think back to my time as an undergraduate, which was about 30 years ago. And uh, as an undergraduate at Georgetown, I had the great privilege of uh, interning on Capitol Hill. Uh, and my internship my senior year was with then-Senator Al Gore. And I always say that, look, regardless of what one's politics is, I'm not making the case for Al Gore versus anybody else. But I will say, and I, I hope you would agree, Randy, that Al Gore played a really important role in making global climate change issues mainstream. I mean, he was alone, it seems to me, in the Senate 30, 35 years ago talking about the the challenges of uh, global climate change. And uh, I've always respected a great deal the fact that he was out front on that issue and really made these discussions mainstream. Is that a fair assessment from from an expert like you?
2: Absolutely. And And, and one one interesting dimension of that, which I think ties in nicely to to the IGU's interdisciplinary reach here is that. Al Gore was a leader as a politician for sure throughout his career leading all the way up to the vice presidency. But his most impactful moment was the documentary An Inconvenient Truth. That is what catalyzed so much uh, interest and focus on climate change in this country. And and there were studies on this, how it it just skyrocketed in the wake of that documentary more so than any time in in the previous two decades. And I think that's reflective of what we're trying to do with the IGU symposium. We are featuring an award-winning documentary filmmaker who put together a film about the Kivalina case, this this tiny native Alaskan village in in North Alaska that is is facing um, inundation from sea level rise and needs to, to migrate to a safe location. And in many ways, in my experience, whether it be environmental issues or animal rights issues, which are a focus in how I uh, approach climate change. Um, documentaries, even as a scholar, have had in many ways more impact on me than than reading about these issues or, and speaking about the, them in traditional academic uh, for So I'm, I'm very excited to have that opportunity to to use the arts and and music in a, in a way that is going to, to deepen our message like like Al Gore's documentary did.
0: Randy, let's just finish with this. I I had spoke earlier, um, registration information open all the way up until when the symposium starts today at four o'clock you can find it on the website i'll give you the social media plug the igu is on twitter as well i'm sure there'll be information all during the course uh of the weekend i'm sure you're really looking forward to to not only getting this event up and going but being able to take a breath after the weekend on uh saturday but any last words that you you'd like to get in
2: Well, I, I'm just really excited to to have this opportunity, not only to 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 lead the IGU in its in its relaunched year, as we call it, but but to 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 be involved as planning chair for this this exciting symposium, and to just stress again the outstanding team of of the IGU faculty advisory council, our graduate assistants and interns, uh, and and ultimately the the participants that we've brought to- together to, uh, to uh, showcase in this-, in this three-day event. So we certainly have been doing everything to promote it and we'll be live tweeting throughout the event uh, and we're just very excited to to see it come together.
0: I know it'll be a busy three days. I appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for us this morning. Um, again, 4 o'clock today, the IGU Symposium gets up and going. Registration information can be find, uh, found at mammoth.edu. Uh Randy, thanks for coming on this morning, and best of luck over the course of the weekend.
2: Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, President Leahy. It's been a pleasure.
0: President Leahy, great job, as always, lining up a uh, another fantastic guest. Look forward to doing it again In two weeks with you, I'm sure we'll have some more updates in terms of uh, commencement and graduation stuff. Um, Look forward to getting some more guests on before the end of the semester as well. But you you also uh, enjoy another great weekend here at the shore, the IGU. You mentioned the football game coming up this weekend, uh, and and it is so great. Let's finish where we started. It is really exciting to see the campus start to come back to life a little bit.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, this this IGU uh, symposium is just the latest in a whole series of ways that, as I mentioned, Monmouth is, is adding value to our campus community and the academic uh, pursuit, pursuits here, uh, but also uh, ways in which, uh, through Randy's efforts, we're promoting uh, Monmouth University to a wider audience. Uh, just so proud to have uh, Randy as one of our uh, members of our of our community here at Monmouth, I, I wish you well over the next few days, uh, Randy. I'll try to tune in uh, when I when I can. But um, I'm really, really proud of uh, IG, the IGU and and your work. And uh, Matt, always good to see you. And again, my thanks to you for your commitment to this podcast, which has expanded over the year to allow us to to highlight and feature programs like the IGU. I think uh, hopefully that's adding value to the campus community as well.
0: Expected to be back in two weeks. We say a happy Thursday and great weekend coming up on campus around the Jersey Shore and specifically in West Long Branch. Our thanks again to Professor Randy Abate. IGU Symposium, open. Register now. University President Patrick Leahy. I'm faculty member Matt Harmon. Episode 26 in the books. We'll see you in a couple weeks for 27.